Please be seated or stay standing if you'd like. No promises that the lesson will be entertaining, so if uh, you prefer to stand, no problem. <clears throat> well, um, I'm going to need some active Bible participation. I couldn't turn the TV on, so just have your Bibles ready. It's just some verses that we'll read together. Uh, and if you have to use your phone, that's fine too. Sometimes the search is a lot faster. But, uh, well, before, um, before we prayed, I had asked those in the room to give a quick review, recap of last week. I wasn't in this class last week. Um, and um, Casey had said, uh, had highlighted a piece from last week about following our conscience without binding others' consciences. And that was specifically in reference to observing the Lord's Day. And I think we'll find some of that same material and same concept with a reference to the fifth commandment. Um, so if you can see at the top of the outline there, my headline for this lesson is that observance of the fifth commandment fulfills God's covenant promise of salvation. And if, you, if your answer to that is, well, I can't observe the fifth commandment or it's too difficult, don't worry, that's still part of God's plan. Um, your, your, your observance alone is not what fulfills God's promise of salvation. Um, so before we uh, go on with the lesson, I'd like to read uh, the fifth commandment together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it's just the second, the second bullet in your outline there. Um, so I'll, I'll read it and just read along with me. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Um, I'd like to just take a break here and ask, what comes to mind when we read this commandment? We've got a variety of people in the room here. I'm sure there are different, different understandings and different ideas that come to mind. What's the first thing you think of when you've read this commandment in the past? Yeah. I tend to go toward obedience, specifically obedience. Um, but as we'll see later in the, in the lesson, that is not necessarily always what it means. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's actually uh, well established in our own confession. Um, that point is, I always wondered where that came from. It, it goes at least as far back as, uh, well, it's actually from Scripture too. But our own confession uh, highlights that. Um, what's the, what does the promise mean? The promise is there that your days may be long. Surely you know people who've lived long lives who also don't keep the fifth commandment. Right. So I think we get an indication just knowing what we observe in our own lives. Um, we know that honor doesn't necessarily mean strict obedience in every situation. And by observation, we know that the promise isn't necessarily, like a lot of biblical promises, is not necessarily fulfilled literally in our own lives. Um, but the promise is there, and that's important. Um, and I think we'll get to that toward the end of the lesson, too. So the outline isn't really much of an outline. It's just some parts of the ESV study Bible, the shorter catechism, and the larger catechism that I wanted to put in your hands. That way you can follow along, review later. Um, but I really want these explanations. I, I like these, uh, for the commandments in particular, I like the catechism explanations because it gives us, it gives us an idea of what somebody hundreds of years ago thought about the application of these. And um, 
you know, if we're going to be true to reform principles, there's kind of this theme in the Reformation of no new ideas. And I know that sounds silly because Martin Luther seemed to have a new idea, right? Well, it wasn't actually new. It was kind of old. He was just reinvigorating an old idea that had been lost. Um, so anytime we talk about um, the meaning of Scripture to us today, it's helpful to... Westminster is, you know, a couple hundred years, what, 400 years old now? And it's, uh, it gives us a window into what they thought at that time. Um, and we, that allows us to kind of uh, push against the, the uh, going off of our modern understanding alone. Um, not to say that modern understanding is unhelpful or, or not useful, but anyway, um, that's, that's kind of how the lesson will go today. We'll read these questions together and hopefully discuss uh, what the commandment means based on these questions. Um, Sorry, just one more point along that line. I just emphasize what you're saying. The reformers didn't see themselves as radical uh, reformers. They actually went back to the early church fathers. They thought that the church had lost its way. Right. They went back to you know, what was actually thought in apostolic period. Yes. There were a group of people that were more radically reformed. Right. Well, and even even though what Jesus was doing was radical at his time, he too was correcting misunderstandings all the way back from Genesis. So it, it was radical in that he was fulfilling God's promise and uh, opening up the covenant. But that was the plan all along. Uh, it was it was seen as very radical because of the way the society functioned with Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Roman government. So I think, I think even the gospel, the gospel doesn't start in Matthew. It goes all the way back to Genesis. So I think the reformers are, are, are doing the right thing, like you said. by not They're not trying to do something new. They're trying to rediscover what was there all along. Um, and that's what we should be doing, too. Thanks for that point, Harry. Well, a little bit of uh, background on the word honor. Um, I don't speak Greek or Hebrew, so this is just a quote from the ESV Study Bible. The word honor means to treat someone with a proper respect due to their person and their role. So what does that mean for parents? Treating them with deference and providing for them and looking after them in their old age. Uh, does anyone, would anyone like to uh, find out Proverbs 3, 9 and uh, Exodus 21, 15 and 17? What did you say? So I'll get Exodus. Okay, thank you. I have Proverbs 3.9. Go ahead with that, please. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then you uh, And then Exodus 21. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Yeah, so that's kind of... That Exodus 21 part is kind of the inverse of the promise in Exodus 2012 when we read the fifth commandment. Um, so sometimes, sometimes we we get understanding by understanding what something is, but also what it is not, the inverse of it. So Exodus 21, 15, and 17 are sort of the negative punitive side of not honoring your father or mother. Exodus 2012, the commandment itself, shows us sort of the, the positive uh Rewarded, the, the reward, I guess, of following your of following the commandment, um, and then that part in Proverbs about uh, the way we honor God, <clears throat> the way we honor God, honor God with uh, managing our resources well, ties into uh, things like taking care of our parents as they age. I think of uh, my, so I know a lot of Christians who are taking care of their aging, you know, now great-grandparents that live with them, and uh, different, uh, different families pursue that. You know, some people are sort of put up in a nursing home at a great cost. Um, some are kept in, in their own home with at home care, um, so when I think of when I think of uh, providing for uh, 
our parents. Um, there are some specific examples that come to mind, um, and it's certainly not easy. Uh, I think part of the part of the dilemma there is that the parent has been the caretaker, you know, for like the first maybe third. Even if you're not living with your parents, you might still be calling dad to figure out what an oil plug is or, you know, uh, calling mom to remember how to make the eggs. Um, but there is it's kind of this inversion that happens with honor your father and mother, where at some point in the Christian life, you become capable of taking care of not only yourself, but of others as well. We can come back to that in a little while. Um, just, I guess, the point of that was to underline that honor is not necessarily always obey. Uh, there comes a point in your life where doing the right thing for someone is how you honor them, not necessarily following their every dictate. Um, Jesus and Paul underline the importance of the command. Um, can someone go to Mark 7, 1 through 13? And then Ephesians. All right. Anybody on Mark? All right, I got Mark. So Mark 7, 1 through 13. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy? Well, sorry, I was reading a question. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things that you do. So there we have another inversion where um, the spiritual leaders of the day were authorizing people to kind of bypass the commandment to honor their father or mother in a financial way, um, and I don't, I don't necessarily like. I don't want to guilt like if your, if your parents are struggling or you know somebody's parents are struggling. I'm not, I'm not like trying to guilt you into like giving the money or something. Um, honoring people, caring for them, has more to do than with with mere finances. Um, but I think it is important to see that Jesus was correcting this bypassing of the commandments. We shouldn't be looking. We shouldn't be looking for the easy, the easy way out or the way around it. Um, you know, sometimes we face difficult situations and we can't do as well as we'd like to for others. Um, but that doesn't mean we should create our own rules to bypass God's commandments. Um, Ephesians six one through three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. The first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. 
there's that promise of them. And then does someone have uh, Timothy 5.4, 1 Timothy 5.4? So uh, to continue on an outline while we let those verses sink in. Um, here we are back to that promise that your days may be long, which I don't know exactly what that means, but it does not just mean a long life. It means a life that's filled with God's presence and favor. So we even see from uh, the verse Joseph read in Timothy that uh, tying this back to the Proverbs that Casey read for us about keeping, keeping part of your uh, production, giving it back to God, setting it aside, that uh, there's, there's a part of that that happens internally within the family for uh, family members who need assistance. Uh, and once again, I'm not trying to set you know, what you give to the church against how you help your family, but that that God values both of those. Um, you know, ideally you would, a, a believer would find a way to do both, uh, you know, through planning and budgeting. Um, but this idea in Timothy that uh, we, we, show, we show godliness to our own household, even to our own parents, and that's pleasing to the sight of God. Um, that's kind of the opposite of what they were doing, what Jesus was correcting, right? In the example in Mark, they were bypassing it, but here Timothy, Paul, is telling Timothy to, uh, to make that a top priority. Hmm. Any other thoughts on those verses we just read? Well, if something comes up, Feel free to uh, jump in. Another portion of the ESV study Bible regarding Exodus 21-17. So this was about um, whoever strikes his mother or father will surely die. This rule is placed among other commandments that deal with either death or physical harm. Its placement here, along with the prescription of death, the death penalty, highlights the gravity of the commandment to honor one's parents. And earlier, as earlier instructions have already indicated, Israel's faithfulness to the Lord is to be formed, not simply through its worship, but also in the life of the household. Um, so, this commandment and the way we, not to say we're keeping it for righteousness sake, you know, we've had, we had those previous lessons on the three uses of the law, um, but as far as the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, uh, and the sanctification in our lives. Um, our, our worship is, um, or God's, God's people's faithfulness to him is not just, you know, what they do in the worship service or what they do at church. We all know this, but our lives should reflect Monday through Saturday, we should be uh, equally sanctified. Um, in the way we, even in the way we look after our household. Uh, and I think we all know that, but um, I want to tie this old, I want to tie this old language of the commandment to how the church functions today. Um, let's get into some uh, shorter catechism questions. So uh, I'll read the question. You guys will read the answer together, and then we don't have to keep doing that for all the questions, but uh, hopefully this will uh, get us thinking. So question number 63 from Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment is, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. 
What is required? Question 64. What is required in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment requires the preserving of the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. All right, let's get one more. Question 65. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. So, Westminster is using some unique language that we might not use in our daily discourse. Several places and relations has been mentioned twice now, and it will keep coming up uh, if you continue reading along. What does that mean? Several places and relations. Where we are and who we are around. Sorry? Where we are and who we are around. Yes. Where we are, who we are around, what situations we might find ourselves in. Um, and then we get this language too. This may come off as offensive, so try to put your history hat on here. Um, superiors, inferiors, or equals. What's that talking about? It's referencing that everyone is made in God's image, and that even regardless of our station, position, power, we all deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. So when we are coming at other people, or people that we feel might be inferior or superior to us. This commandment of honoring um, not only our father and mother, but also each other applies to that. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll start with equals. Um, I would say one, one big, one, like I said, I like Westminster because it gives us a glimpse into the past. Um, we tend to relate as equals. Um, but in a society where social class was more apparent and obvious, um, where people lived in a monarchy uh, and had a high regard for office holders, um, they would use words like superior, inferior, to, to, to understand the relationship of someone who was in authority. Um, I think one way we see that expressed in our church is that we expect children in our church to listen to any adult in the church who says, stop. Right, someone's running through the parking lot and a car is coming along and an adult says stop. We teach our children to recognize adults as authority figures. Um, later on in life, they learn that not every adult is, has the same level of legitimacy as an authority figure. Um, and maybe, maybe that becomes more of deference than obedience later on in life. Um, and as our children age up, into being adults and uh, take the faith for their own. We interact with them more as equals. Um, so the language is not meant to be offensive. That's just what's in the catechism. But think of this idea of people who are in authority, people who are equal to one another with whatever their position is in the church or society. That's where this is coming from. Did you have something, Rick? Uh, well, I was just going to say, in one sense, uh, I think referring to People we report to, people who report to us. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it may not always be age-based. Um, indeed, if someone is in charge of, uh, of a ministry effort, we expect everybody to follow the directions and, um, and guidance of that person. Um, well, a lot of us here in the military, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this would be talking more about sometimes sometimes it's more like rank where it stays with you, and sometimes it's more like positional authority, where because of the virtue of the office that you're executing. Um, right. So we get the reason 
I want to I spend a minute talking about the reason of the fifth commandment. More Westminster language, question 66. What is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment? I like that. Uh, I like the old language. Uh, the reason annexed to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their good to all such as keep this commandment. So, unlike pop culture images, you know, Indiana Jones drinking from the chalice, the promise of long life is still subordinate to God's glory and our good. So somebody who has a short life cannot then say, well, I better not obey the fifth commandment. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a short life. I, I can't access the promise. Um, indeed, that would be, you know, false thinking. Um, but the idea of God's glory and their good takes me back to that short discussion of authority that we had a moment ago, where all, all of this is being done, you know, under God's guidance. They're his commandments. Um, to stick with the military analogy, he's the, he's the one commander, and we're just... We're just serving in our particular, you know, duty station, so to speak. Um, so, uh, any questions or thoughts on that Westminster Shorter Catechism before we hit some of the longer, much longer, larger catechism? All right, so the larger catechism, question 123. We don't have to read that one again. We've already read the Fifth Commandment a couple of times. But 124 is uh, back to the idea of different authority figures, superiors, inferiors, equals, um, age-based interactions in the church. Question 124 starts to get at this. Who are meant by father and mother in the fifth commandment? So let's read this one together. By father and mother in the fifth commandment, are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as, by God's ordinance, are over us in place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. Commonwealth. So, uh, when we prayed to start the lesson, we spent a few minutes praying for local government specifically, but really government in general. Um, and now here we are talking about authority and the commonwealth. So if you read Westminster before coming here, please don't answer this question. Um, but how many expected to be talking about the authority of the commonwealth over us in a lesson about honoring our father and mother? Did anyone see this? When I was assigned the lesson, I didn't think of this. It took, it took some, you know, not too much, but it took some study and some preparation. Um, I, would, I didn't see it going this way, um, and the more I dug in... Um, like I said, it's good to look back at uh, what people thought a long time ago. Um, any light bulbs going off there? Any thoughts on does it really does it really connect to the Commonwealth? Anyone disagree? That's okay if you do. It just makes me think of Romans thirteen. Okay. Maybe that's where they're referencing that. All right. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the chapter speaks to civil authorities. Yeah. How we are to be obedient to civil. Yeah. Which points back to God's law, um, that aspect of his law. Yeah. Romans 13, being good citizens, being subject to civil authorities. Yeah. So moving on to question 125. Why do we have this language of father and mother if it's really talking about all superiors? Um. But it's partially because our father and mother are our first authority 
in our lives. Um, and we, the first interaction with authority we have and the first example of love and care that we have is from our parents. Um, so really, we should take this way that we should treat our father and mother and apply it to everyone who is above us in life. Either we report to them. Uh, and there is, there is also the, the, the confession, we'll get to that later. What about the superiors? What's the duty of the superior? Um, but that we should... I think one, question 125 is getting at... Uh, we should be able to interact with authority figures uh, the same way we would with our parents. Um, it's easy to see an authority figure as someone external to you. You know, a police officer pulls you over for a ticket and you're frustrated. Uh, you probably wouldn't speak to the police officer the same way you would as, as you might to your mother if she were running late, right? Um, but there's a connection there that these are authority figures pointed over us. Um, all right, question 126. What's the general scope of the fifth commandment? We don't have to, I'll just read it for you and you can think about it. The general scope of the fifth commandment is the performance of those duties which we mutually owe in our several relations as inferiors, superiors, or equals. So now there's the sense of obligation coming in. Um, we mutually owe it. Uh, there's sort of a communal obligation there to respect those who are older than us or over us. Uh, and then the, the next few questions go into those duties. So how far does it go? Uh, well, the Westminster Fathers thought about that one too in question 127. What is the honor that inferiors owe to their superiors? The honor which inferiors owe to their superiors is all due reverence in heart, word, and behavior, prayer and thanksgiving for them, imitation of their virtues and graces, willing obedience to their lawful commands and counsels. I bolded the word lawful for you. Indeed, the superiors are not perfect, so they might, uh, they might have commands that are unlawful. Due submission to their corrections, fidelity to defense and maintenance of their persons and authority, according to their several ranks and the nature of their places, it's going to get tougher as we keep going, so just hold your breath. Strap yourself in if you need to. Bearing with their infirmities and covering them in love so that they may be an honor to them and to their government. That one stings when I read that last two lines. Bearing with them and their infirmities. Um, all the other stuff leading up to that is, okay, yeah, I've got to, I've got to submit to authority. I've got to show respect and deference. Uh, I feel like whether it's military conditioning or culture, they kind of had me up until that point, bearing with their infirmities. So, does this mean I can't complain about my boss? I'd like to know, I'd like to know if you guys are in a similar place where I was when I was kind of going through this and preparing. Um, Well, it's been something I'm thinking about since we have a congregational meeting in two weeks, and how can we as a congregation show respect for an assessment pastor, even if we are troubled and disagree with the decisions they've made? Um, is it possible we can honor that while at the same time expressing contentions of disagreements? I think that, yeah, that's a fair example. Uh, also close to home, but... Um, you know, agree, agree or disagree, the authority, the authority is still legitimate. Um, I would have, I did not grow up in a Westminster type church, and I would have had a hard time. I did not believe that I had to bear with my parents and their infirmities. Um, I thought, and maybe this is, you know, generationally speaking, I've been doing some research into generations and how they interact. My parents are boomers. So that means that they were once like the heady anti-authoritarians. And although that doesn't mean they were hippies. Uh, 
they were church people almost their whole lives, but even their way of going to church was very anti-authoritarian. They, they got rid of the hymns. They went to these very short, catchy praise and worship tunes. Um, they got rid of the hymn books themselves and went to overhead projectors. Um, the, the idea was, you know, out with the tradition. People want something new, right? Um, well, then you get Gen X, who's, you know, kind of punk rock and lacking an identity, lacking so much that they just get X as their name, uh, which is now a social media service. Man, times are changing. Uh, and then you get millennials. And uh, I know as a child, I did not like my parents' authority, and I did not want to bear with them in their infirmities. And as an adult now, I still feel the same way. Um, so that's hard for me to hear. It's hard for me to hear that I should... Uh, you know, not revile them or vilify them. I don't want. I don't want to do that to my parents or anybody's parents. But um, I think seeing it in black and white kind of put the weight on me. Uh, covering them in love. Why? To preserve honor, so that they can continue doing their role. Um, but I think that point of application was was fair, Joseph. That. Uh, we don't always we don't always agree with uh, we agree with some things we disagree with others um, and even if mistakes even if we sense that mistakes are being made that doesn't that doesn't uh, mean everything's illegitimate uh, indeed God God has instituted all authority uh, so what are the sins of inferiors against their superiors and I'll I'll just read this one again. The sins of inferiors against their superiors are all neglect to the duties required toward them, envying at, contempt of, and rebellion against their persons and places, in their lawful counsels, there's that word lawful again, commands and corrections, cursing, mocking, and all such refractory and scandalous carriage as proves it shame and dishonor to them and their government. What it means by their government is the, the office that they are holding, whether that's parent you know, police chief, mayor, deacon. So, um, feels like a heavy load. Uh, feels like a heavy, uh, a heavy burden. Um, but what's required of the superiors? It is required of superiors. This is question 129. According to that power they receive from God, and that relation wherein they stand to love, pray for, and bless their inferiors, to instruct, counsel, and admonish them, countenancing, commending, and rewarding such as do well, and discountenancing, reproving, and chastising such as do ill, protecting and providing for them all things necessary for soul and body, and by great, wise, holy, and exemplary carriage, to procure glory to God, honor to themselves, and so to preserve that authority which God hath put upon them. So I think, I think those two questions kind of illuminate the topic that you brought up, Joseph. Uh, the inferior has a set of obligations. The superior has a set of obligations, all informed by honoring the legitimate authority that God has put over us. So this is question 130 is the part, remember I told you it's hard for me to hear, bearing with their infirmities and covering them in love? Well, question 130 is all about bearing with infirmities and covering them in love. The sins of superiors are besides the neglect of the duties required of them, an inordinate seeking of themselves, their own glory, ease, profit, or pleasure, commanding things unlawful or not in the power of inferiors to perform, counseling encouraging or favoring them in that which is evil, dissuading, discouraging, and discountenancing them in that which is good, correcting them unduly, careless exposing or leaving them, I might have had a typo there, leaving them to wrong, I think it's missing the word too, to wrong temptation and danger, provoking them to wrath, or any way dishonoring themselves or lessening their authority by an unjust, indiscreet, rigorous or remiss behavior. Um, so, 
nobody gets off easy in this part of, uh, with this commandment, or in this part of Westminster for sure. Um, I'd like to talk about equals a little bit and be respectful of time. Question 131, what are the duties of equals? The duties of equals are to regard the dignity and worth of each other. I think Casey actually said that earlier. Um, in giving honor to one before another and to rejoice in one another's gifts and advancement as their own. Man, to rejoice in one another's gifts and advancement as their own. Um, so this commandment, uh, as, you really, as you really dig into it, it really ties into many of the other commandments. Um, there's no standalone there's no standalone uh, commandment. They all, they all work together. Um, what are the sins of equals? The sins of equals are besides, besides the neglect of duties required. So that's like one category. Besides the neglect of duties required. The undervaluing of the worth, envying of the gifts, grieving of the advancement of prosperity of one another, and usurping preeminence over one another. So even in our interactions with our equals, we have some serious obligations. Uh, and once again, I don't want to get—I don't want to get stuck in behavior management. We're not talking about for righteousness' sake, and that's what that last—the last question talks about. What's the, what's the reason for the fifth commandment? The more to enforce it. The reason annexed to the fifth commandment in these words that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee is an express promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. Any, uh, anybody want to interrupt? Any thoughts? I this, think that, I think this is reminding me of is humidity and our need to grow in it. Because I recently read a book on humidity by Gavin Portland and he noted that if the essence of all sin is pride, which it is, then the essence of all growth against sin is humility. And even here, if you're finding it hard to submit to a superior, well, you probably need to grow in humility. And if as a superior, you're overbearing on your inferiors, you need to grow in humility. Mm -hmm. This is just a reminder, you need to grow in humility. Yeah. And we can look to Jesus, look at how he humbled himself. He's yeah. I, that's a great... I think you said it well. Um, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with humility, but if anyone else has some connections on that or something to add, please do. I think it's interesting. C.S. Lewis talked about pride um, being the worst sin, and you know, I, well, anyways, uh, because most other sins, it's obvious that the the deed or the act is sinful, but with pride, you can you can do something that outwardly is good, but if it is done out of pride, the whole thing is sinful. And so it's, like Joseph said, something we definitely need to uh, be aware of and fight against, because even in our quote-unquote good deeds, if they're done out of pride, it's all sinful. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the points of application that you two raised. Um, and indeed, if you have a thought but you just don't want to Say it in front of the group. Let's talk about it after class or after church or something. Um, I don't want to end the lesson by just crushing us with this robust explanation of the fifth commandment. Uh, and once again, we're not talking about obedience for righteousness' sake. We're talking about fruits of the Spirit in our lives, sanctification being worked in us by the Spirit. But I do, I do want to end on a final question. How did Jesus Christ keep the fifth commandment? So back to the main point. Observance of the fifth commandment fulfills God's covenant promise of salvation. But, but I can't observe the fifth commandment. Well, that's okay. Jesus did. He did it for us. So, how did Jesus Christ keep the fifth commandment? I think you see two really good examples of interactions with the Pharisees and Jews. One being that every time he interacted with them initially, he was respectful. There wasn't any tone of mocking or, um, yeah, anything that we would consider dishonor. However, 
when he came across Savior's actual very ungodly, we see him correct that ungodliness through strong words, rebuke. Right. And I think that can show us that as Christians, we can encounter superiors who are ungodly, unlawful, and that it is not ungodly for us to speak truth to power, to rebuke, to try to turn back towards godliness. And that we can't um, I saw it in a toxic church that I used to be a part of where because the pastor was the superior for the church, we couldn't speak out against him because mm. that was dishonor, and that's not the case. Mm. So. Yeah, I think context is important. Also, Jesus could see the heart uh, in a way that we can't, so that, that made a big difference for him to know exactly who needed what. Um, Rick, go ahead. Oh. I just want to make sure I got this in too, back to sort of the, the first part of like our natural parents. He made provision for his mother when he was on the cross. He did. Yes. Great point. Uh, yeah, Jesus, knowing his time had come, behold your mother. Um, which could lead into a discussion of, wait, if Jesus had other brothers and sisters, why did he need to do that? Uh, so there is, a, there is a case saying that... Uh, he had cousins, not brothers and sisters, or else he would not have needed to connect. Well, but he knew what was best for his mother. Yes, he did. He knew what was best. And in the excruciating pain right. that he was experiencing, he took care of that. We don't get a lot about his uh, his uh, interactions with his parents, but uh, what's the? anybody remember the, the time where Jesus was in the temple? He, he'd gone missing. What was his answer? On, on, on the service, his answer sounds... Right. Right. Yeah, we don't have a record of him saying, "Mom, it's not dark yet." He said, "I need to be in my father's house." So he gave the reason. Uh, I don't think the point of that is to show us how respectful he was, but there there is an order to things. Uh, but who's? What did he mean when he said, "I must be in my father's house"? Indeed, he wasn't talking about Joseph's house, or else he wouldn't have been missing. He's talking about his heavenly father. So I'd say that the primary way, although these are all great examples, providing for Mary, his earthly mother, um, challenging uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees in a respectful but truthful way, um, all these examples we can think of, I would say by submitting to his father's will. You see that most especially in the Gospel of John. Over and over again, he says, I've come back into my own will, but the will one is happening. Amen. From incarnation to uh, humiliation uh, being, you know, being glorified. He submitted his will to his father. Yes. So in keeping the fifth commandment, he submitted to his father and secured salvation for all of his people. Michael, you are going to miss a song called Heart of Worship. <laughs> I, I know I you love it. That. And I was wondering if that was uh, because of the sermon. Well, we're getting back to the heart of it. Uh, heart of, we're getting to the heart of these commandments. Um, I have Luke 9.59 as a final note here, and I'll, I'll read that for you. This is a section of scripture called, The Cost of Following Jesus. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So here we have someone taking this duty to father and mother as sort of a, a hindrance to the gospel. I got family business. Um, Jesus indeed isn't saying, you shouldn't take care of your family. He's not saying that at all. Uh, he wouldn't contradict the fifth commandment. Um, but someone is, back to, back to the sometimes respectfully challenging people and their wrong notions, someone is using this obligation to father and mother as an excuse to 
not follow the gospel call. Um, and Jesus is not saying disobey your parents. What would be honoring to this man's father and mother is for him to believe. Um, so once again, honoring doesn't always mean obedience. It doesn't always mean a strict, strict adherence to verbatim words. Um, in this case, it sounds like Jesus is saying, no, come with me. Let the, bed, let the dead bury the dead. Let them handle whatever they have themselves. Don't let this get in the way of your faith. So um, I think I'd like to end on that note. Uh, just knowing that um, the fifth commandment, although obedience is a huge part of it, would in strict adherence to uh, surface level uh, regulations is not merely all it's talking about. And indeed, we are saved because Christ kept the law for us, including this fifth commandment. Um, in the sake of, uh, for the sake of time, we'll skip through this song. We won't sing it. Save it for next time. The point of singing this song, not only just to uh, get a laugh out of Michael, was that um, when we worship today, we need to get through, kind of look beneath the layers of, you know, whether it's hot or cold, whether we're hungry or thirsty. Um, whether we're, we're in the mood for worship, if it's our favorite song or not. The point of this song, although it was overplayed at one point, uh, is that when we get to the heart of worship, it's really all about Jesus and what he's done for us. And if, we're, if, we're, if our heart is about Jesus and what he's done for us and giving him glory, then any, any song, any song uh, that we sing will give God glory. Um, anything that we wear or eat or drink will be part of uh, God's plan to glorify himself. So please keep that in mind uh, as we go uh, to worship that we need to be, the heart of worship is, is praising, praising our Father in heaven for his uh, perfect will, praising the Son for his perfect obedience, and praising the Spirit for uh, convicting us of the truth. Um, let's pray and then we'll be released. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and worship you for who you are. Uh, we are regretful and we repent of neglecting your commandments knowing that we cannot obey them as we ought we sometimes dismiss them entirely help us to learn who you are and about your character from, from your scripture uh, use, use our sins and our shortcomings to point us back to Jesus to see his glory and his perfection to see everything he has done uh, Help us to apply these lessons to our lives and how we interact with one another, how we treat our parents and other parents, and how we treat the authorities that are over us, especially when we are unhappy or uh, in disagreement. Um, we thank you that you have uh, revealed yourself to us, and though the bar is high, we also thank you that Jesus has given us access to the throne of grace. Uh, send us now to worship, and... Uh, Send us out with the gospel on our hearts and a, a song of praise on our lips. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.